to you is, again, as, as we uh, go through this, this um, transitioning time, that uh, if you're not involved in a, a community group in some fashion, whether it's a regular small group community group that meets every week or one of these new uh, community Bible study groups, I urge you to get involved in it. Now, a couple of them will require you to get books in advance, so you need to let us know if you want to do that. And Tim and Charlotte's got a group on Wednesday nights that will start uh, um, that you, have, you need to get a book for. They're going to go through a study of the Promised Land with Ray Vanderland's fantastic material. I have a group on Tuesday afternoons at 2, and I send out material for that. So if you want to be a part of that, you just need to let me know so I can get you that material. Um, but go to the app, go to the website. If you're not sure how to do any of that, just call the church office, and we will help you. But, but I encourage you to gather together, connect together. We've tried to spread these around different days, different times of the day. We've added one if you're up in the extreme northern part. Uh, here, uh, um, uh, Paul uh, Baker's willing uh, going to be hosting a group um, uh, Thursday uh, late afternoon, early evening, four o'clock at his house, going through the book of Philippians. So, if and you're in, the, in that part of town, and you in four o'clock Thursdays is good for you. Um, uh, he's going to ha- host a group up there, and so uh, find something that fits your schedule. If you can't find something that fits your schedule, give me a call, and I'll help you get start your own. So, uh, um, but we want you connecting outside of this time. And strongly, strongly, strongly encourage you to do that. All right, well, praise the Lord. Well, this morning, uh, we're going to start a new teaching series that lasts a, a little while, a series we're calling Danger Strong Currents. Uh, um, and let me just ask, anybody here love the beach? Anybody really, really love the beach? Yeah, my, yeah, my wife says the beach is kind of my happy place. I, I, I love the beach. She sends me away to the beach by myself on occasion because she wants me to get happier uh, um, before I'm around her. Uh, um, it, it's a, but let me ask this. Anybody like the beach, love the beach? But you're not so sure about the ocean. Uh, anybody in that? Right? Yeah, yeah. Ocean can be a lot of fun. You know, fishing, body surfing, whatnot. But but the ocean can also be a little bit scary if if we're completely honest. Because the truth is, there are powerful forces at work within the ocean all the time, including powerful powerful currents and, and powerful tides. Anybody had, ever had the experience of uh, maybe you, maybe your children or something, you're, you're playing at the beach, and you five or ten minutes later you look up, and, and you're way down the beach from where you started? You know, your condo is you know, hundreds of yards that way, or your children, your family, hundreds of Anybody had that experience before? You're playing, and all of a sudden you look up, and, and, and you're not at all where you started. You're not at all where you thought you were, and you didn't do anything differently. Uh, uh, you, suddenly you're very far away from where you thought you were, and, and you didn't even know it? Ever had that experience? That's part of the power of ocean currents. They move you sometimes without telling you you've been moved. They move you from home base to places you may not wish to be. Sometimes places you didn't even know you were. Part of the power of ocean currents, and some currents are, are more dangerous than others. Rip currents can sweep you out to sea for good. Roughly 100 people every, every year are drowned or disappeared in rip currents uh, just uh, in this nation. The potential is powerful. In this series, we're going to address over the course of the next several weeks some of the currents at work in our world today. Pulling, uh, dragging, tugging just below the surface. Sometimes you can see it rippling down the surface. Sometimes you can't. But, but those things that are pulling and ripping at our culture, pulling and ripping at the church, taking people from where they thought they were to some place where maybe they never intended to go, often without them even knowing it. Some of these currents have the potential to sweep you away altogether. And so we're going to talk about it. And this morning, this is just a very, very basic introduction. We're just going to kind of get started, just going to kind of simply get moving. But our base scripture for this series is going to come from Romans chapter 13. And in your seat, 
this morning, you have the scripture memory card. I really want to encourage you to try and work on memorizing this scripture over the course of the next several weeks. Romans 13, 11. This will, we'll keep coming back to it over and over again. But this is going to kind of be our starting point for this series. And, and, and with that in mind, as you're able, would you stand with me, please? And um, just to get us focused and moving this morning, we're going to read together Romans 13, verses 11 and 12. Romans chapter 13, verses 11 and 12. It's not very long, so we'll read all of it together. Together we read... And do this, understanding the present time. The hour has come for you to wake up from your slumber, because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us hide the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Praise the Lord. This is the word of the Lord, and and you may be seated. Now, for, for a couple of months now, off and on, I've been saying it's time. Uh, it's time to shake off the malaise of the last two and a half years. It's time to move past some of the withdrawal and some of the lethargy that has settled in in some ways uh, on the people of God. It's time to re-engage as the people of God. It's time to remember who you are and step out in the world and act like. Along these same lines, some of you may have heard of a guy by the name of David Kalenda. He's, uh, he's currently the successor of, of a guy named Reinhard Bonnke. He, he, was, he was a tremendous evangelist, primarily on the continent of Africa. Uh, talking about this, it, this it's time concept, this it's time theme, uh, David Kalenda was quoted recently as saying, get your priorities straight. Fix your focus on Jesus. Forgive others. Give Jesus the baggage you've been carrying. Get active in your local church. Help fund what God's doing around the world and burn brightly with the fire of the Holy Spirit. David Kalinda was saying, in effect, it's time. It's time to move past the dysfunction and the things that have been holding us down and messing us up and holding us back. It's time to get past those things and move into the things God has for us to fix our focus on Jesus Forgive what we need to forgive, lay down those things we need to lay down, and move on in the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, a couple of months ago when I began saying to you, it's time, a part of what I was talking about was the need to re-engage in the life and the work of this local church. We needed people to serve again. We needed people to get involved and active in serving again, to step out and help serve communion and tend to the nursery, help with projection and the sound booth and things like that. Those none-too-glamorous tasks that go on week after week and help make worship more accessible and more user-friendly for the people who come. These are not the tasks that get you noticed, and they do not require any particular grace or gifting or calling from God. They're what I call family chores. They are within the family of the church, the equivalent of taking out the trash, doing the dishes, putting away the groceries at home. They're the mundane things that have to happen over and over and over again for things to work the way they should. And you do not need a word from the Lord to serve communion or to serve in the nursery or to help change the slides on the songs. You just need to know that those are things we do for each other here. And we have need for help there. So in that regard, next week you'll find in your seats a little checklist. And if you're a part of this family, you're not currently involved in family chores. I'm going to ask you to take some time and think about it this week. And let us know next week where you might be able to to help uh, keep things running as they should. Having said all of that, 
I want to quickly say, that's not at all what I have in mind 99% of the time. When I say to you, it's time. Because the truth is, not helping with uh, the worship and ministry life of the church is not the problem. It's just an indicator of a problem. The passage we read earlier begins, and do this, understanding the present time. The hour has come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. Paul says the time has come to wake up, to shake off the slumber, to wipe the sleepy out of your eyes, to wake up so you can understand what's really going on all around you. The Greek word translated here as understanding has a literal sense of seeing something with your eyes and then grasping what it means in and under and around. And every single day in this world, it's becoming increasingly important for you to be able to do that. In Greek, there are two primary words usually translated as time. The words chronos and kairos. Uh, Chronos simply refers to chronological time or a span of time. It has to do with the date and the hour and the minute and and the day and so forth and so on. In chronos time, it's roughly 10.51 a.m. Kairos, on the other hand, is special time, pregnant time, opportune or destined or meaningful time, decisive time, time in which you need to act and act in a particular way. That's the word used here in Romans 13, verse 11, for time. You need to understand the kairos, the time that's calling for action, the pregnant moment in which you live, and what it's trying to bring forth in this moment, what God's trying to bring forth in this moment. You need to understand the kairos. You need to understand the meaning and the opportunity of this particular moment in time. For those of you in business, that you know the truth of the matter, countless, countless businesses have failed. Not because they were a bad idea, but because they launched at the wrong time. Years ago, um, I was pastoring. I went to pastor a, a congregation in Virginia. We had just moved there. We hadn't been there long at all. I'd never been to Virginia before. Uh, we'd only been there a very short period of time. And, uh, but I felt the Lord impressed that we needed to try and gather the, the, the men from the area. And so I, I planned to put together this big men's event, a kind of all-day Saturday big men's event. And, and, and not being from the area, I planned it on the Saturday of the Virginia, uh, Virginia Tech football game. That was a game that meant nothing to me. Uh, um, apparently it meant quite a bit to the men uh, uh, in that part of the world. God bless the guys who did come to that event. Uh, But I suspect a lot more would have come if I had better understood the time. In 1969, the band Chicago released their hit song, Does Anybody Really Know What Time It Is? According to the Apostle Paul, it's time to wake up. It's time to wake up and understand the particular kairos moment in which you live. To understand this kairos moment so you can understand the the, the, uh, kairos opportunity that comes with it. And then respond to it with the appropriate kairos response. 
And if I can be completely honest with you, I don't find a lot of Christians who are very good at that these days. I see Christians looking at the things going on around them, not really discerning what is happening there, and so very, very, very often responding in the wrong way. This particular Kairos moment calls for a very particular Kairos response. I should tell you, as this stuff has been percolating in me for a while, uh, uh, A, my praying for you has increased dramatically. Now, I've always prayed for you. But my, oh, yeah, 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 well, wait, I'm not done. <laughs> my praying for you has increased dramatically, and my, how I am praying for you is changing dramatically. You should know that I am praying less and less for your material blessing and more and more for your spiritual growth and development. I am praying less and less that things be easy for you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not praying they'd be hard, but I am praying less and less that they be easy, and more and more that you have strength and courage to persevere and endure. And if my tires are slick, Krista, after this service, I don't know where to look. You should know I spent a huge chunk of time just this past week praying that you would come to understand the Kairos moment in which you live. And that you would begin to rise up and respond to it with a proper kairos response of God. What Paul's calling for here requires discernment. That's obvious. And you need to know that discernment has almost nothing whatsoever in common with criticism. Again, the two are often confused. But the truth is, it doesn't take much discernment to see when things are messed up. It doesn't take a lot of discernment to see when things are bad. Anyone can see that. Discernment can see why. And discernment can see how to help. We're talking here about a fundamentally prophetic function within the church. And, and, and I have to be honest with you. I am pretty over it with an awful lot of what gets passed around as prophetic these days in the church of Jesus Christ. I want to say confidently that much of what is presently labeled prophetic isn't. Popular prophecies are getting all kinds of attention and airtime and print. And then after they're completely demonstrated to be false, just move on to the next one. That's a problem. The church should not go from one chaotic thing to the next in that fashion. It's time to stop undervaluing real prophecy by overvaluing false prophecy. It's time to stop undervaluing the truly prophetic by overvaluing things that are flashy and make you feel good. This problem is not a new problem among the people of God. There have always been false prophets and false teachers. Way back in the days of King Ahab and King Jehoshaphat, they were talking about the possibility of attacking, joining forces to attack the king of Aram. And 400, say 400, 400 prophets of Israel came to them and said, go for it, God will surely deliver him into your hands. One guy said, that's not true. And that guy had the word of the Lord. In 2021, I began to share with you what I believe is a prophetic word, that 2020 was a test and the church failed miserably. In a time of un unprecedented political polarization, one of the most divisive political seasons in my lifetime, 
A time of tremendous fear over a global pandemic that no one really understood. At a time of, of racial and social unrest, uh, rioting, picketing, uh, demonstrating, confusion. At a time of tremendous chaos and difficulty. A time the church should have stepped in with wisdom and calm, with peace and truth and help and hope. Instead of doing any of those things, most people in the church simply picked a side and began yelling with the rest of the world. 2020 was a test. I believe the church failed, and I want to promise you the next test will be more challenging. Ed Stetzer is a prominent Christian researcher and consultant. He was recently in Charlotte meeting with a select group of pastors trying to help us better understand the present time. He brought a, reams of research with him and uh, went over it with us. And in short, the research indicates that churches all over are struggling. On average, the churches that survived COVID lost 35% of their Sunday morning attendance. And the research says those folks are not coming back. Today, we are facing a gathering array of crises, one hitting on top of the next, on top of the next, on top of the next, just like waves at the seashore. Based on the research he shared, let me share with you just a couple of the crises he shared with us in the meeting. First, today, there's a massive mental health crisis. Massive mental health crisis. According to the Kaiser Family Foundation and the Mayo Clinic, a minimum of a 400% increase in the last two years of people manifesting and being diagnosed with anxiety disorders and depressive disorders and the like. People being medicated for those things. The numbers are skyrocketing. So badly that many, many counselors cannot take any more clients. We have three Christian counseling groups that we work with. On occasionally, I'll send someone to them. The last time I tried to do that, all three of them said, we cannot take anyone else. I met two weeks ago with a friend of mine, a pastor friend of mine here in town. What are some things we can do together to work cooperatively together to advance the kingdom of God in our city? The very first thing he suggested was, let's start working together to train up lay Christian counselors to deal with the crisis of mental health in our community. What are called deaths of despair. Death by suicide, uh, a drug overdose, or alcohol poisoning. Deaths of despair are right now the fastest growing category of death in America. We are in a mental health crisis in this moment, certainly exacerbated mightily by, by all the things that happened in the last two years. And the truth is, some of you are here. You're hurting. You're anxious, you're depressed, you're confused. You are, you are hurting, and you are in need of, of, of help to get out of that. Now, it's entirely possible, if you're in that place, that the truth is you've misdiagnosed it. And where you're really depressed and hurting, you think you're mad at somebody else. I want to encourage you, if you think this might be you, please, please, please reach out and let us try and get you to a healthier place. There's a massive crisis of trust right now. The highest level of distrust in major institutions, the government, business, the church, the media, highest level of distrust since at least the Watergate era. So many people today are being discipled by social media in such incredibly highly partisan ways. And the truth is, social media is specifically designed only to feed you stuff that you already agree with. The result is then, you think everybody thinks you're right. And those handful of people that don't think you're right must be crazy, so you need to distrust them. 
The result is tremendous polarization. Greater polarization than I recognize in my lifetime, and not just in the, in the world. Poll after poll after poll after poll of pastors say they've never seen their own churches more divided than they are right now. Some of you are here. And to be honest, if you're here in, in a massive place of distrust, you're probably becoming a little bit nasty. You may not have noticed it yet, but all that distrust invariably is going to skew how you interpret things and certainly how you treat other people. If you're there, you need to get out of it. Because if you're not seeing, if you're seeing if things is skewed by distrust, you're never going to see and understand the times you're in correctly. There's a massive crisis of defamation. Talked about this. We'll continue to talk about it. Social media has connected and empowered angry people. Way too many people hit send way too quickly with way too much outrage in their finger. I have never in my life, never in my life, seen anything close to the utter lack of compunction about wrecking the reputation of another person that I find at work in our culture today, including within the church. In fact, the truth is, it appears that for many people out there, wrecking the reputation of others is the goal. There is no question about the reality that assassinating character and slandering motives is the quickest possible way to get a following on social media. There's also no question about the fact that it is a massive violation of the Ninth Commandment, of the biblical principles of loving your neighbor and covering over a multitude of sins and going to them personally, according to Matthew 18. It violates so many biblical principles, I can't list them for you. Some of you are here. If you're in this place ready and willing and quick to defame, you need to repent. That's not a good place to be. There is in this moment a crisis of identity, unlike anything I've ever seen in my lifetime. I never imagined I would see the day when someone would, when lots of people would look at themselves and say, am I a boy? Or am I a girl in a boy's body? and be deeply uncertain about the answer. When so many Americans would ask the question, is America good or evil? Did the United States Constitution pave the way for civil liberty and human flourishing? Or was it a fundamentally racist document that should be scrapped immediately? So many people insisting that you now must be defined by the color of your skin or by your particular sexual preferences. So that if I disagree with your sexual preference, you're certain that I have rejected you as a human being. What does it mean to be a Christian? What's the point of it all? Does church matter or is it just another corrupted institution? The internet has given you access to more information than ever before in human history, but with that information come ideas. And with a whole new host of ideas come these competing authorities. And they're coming so fast. Everyone with a blog today is an expert in somebody's mind, or whatever, whether they're an expert or not. If you've got a publishing arm, you're an expert. And there's so many new ideas, so much new information, so many competing authorities that you cannot possibly 
carefully weigh them. And the result is tremendous confusion. Some of you are there and, uh, and confused. The truth is, some of you, maybe most of you, I don't know this morning, aren't struggling with any of these things. And if that's the case, you are in a fantastic position to help people who are. Because a lot of people are. The bottom line is this. You live in a time of massive upheaval, leading to massive disorientation. Incredibly rapid changes leave you no time for reflection. Again, it's like being in the ocean. You ever been in the ocean and you got hit by a wave, it kind of knocks you off balance. And before you could get up again, there came the next. And there came the next, and there came the next. And it became very difficult to get your head above water, very difficult to catch your breath, very difficult to regain your balance. That's the culture in which you live. America is in the throes of cultural disruption. In less than seven years, in less than seven years, the culture in this nation completely 180 degrees changed its position on homosexual marriage. And, and, and the culture is seriously considering throwing out the clear, evident biological reality of anatomical sex and gender. The bottom line is American culture is breaking down entirely, attempting to completely reset itself. That's what's going on. That's the day in which you live. I can't imagine you've not felt some of the tension of that. But again, my experience is very few people really, really see it and understand it as they need to. Most of the Christians I talk to are either angry or they're frightened by the things they see going on. And because they're not seeing them clearly enough yet, they end up responding in anger or in fear, neither of which are directed by God. God has a response to all these things for us, but it's not fear, and it's not wrath, certainly not the wrath of man. The good news this morning is this. There is nothing going on in this world. There is nothing going on in your life that God cannot easily handle. But I need to tell you, when Joshua, right when he was ready to take the people of God across the Jordan River and into the promised land, he told them in no uncertain terms, you have never been this way before. I believe those words are true for you today. The things that are happening in the world around you, the things, uh, the reset that's going on in the culture around you, figuring out how to navigate that, you've never been this way before. You need God. You need the word of God, the direction of God, the plan of God to navigate it well. So it's time to wake up, to understand this Kairos moment. But listen, at the end of the day, the call is not, make sure you hear me, the call is not to wake up to the, all the chaos all around you. The call is to wake up to God. To God and the right now purposes of God. Believe it or not, I'm convinced that it is largely all the chaos around you that has lulled the church to sleep. Because it's taken our attention onto it and off of the God who sits enthroned above it. We need to wake up to God and the purposes of God and the plan of God, which I promise you are infinitely more simple than you probably imagine. It is my heartfelt prayer that over the next few weeks, we as the people of God awake from our present slumber and really begin to see and understand so that we might, by the grace of God, begin to respond to this Kairos moment 
with the kairos response of God. And I'll close with this. The verse we're memorizing, the one we've kind of looked at this morning, Romans 13, 11, is not primarily a call to wake up. It is rather primarily a call to action. It's not primarily a call to discern and understand. Discernment and understanding are needed, but they're not the point of the verse. The point of the verse is to do this. Whatever this might be. Do this. Understanding the Kairos moment in which you live. Wake up so you can do this. Which raises the fantastic question. What is this? I don't have time to tell you today. But I will give you a brief taste. What you find in Romans chapter 13 is simply the continuation of a thought the Apostle Paul begins in Romans 12. And I believe that this goes all the way back to the beginning of the thought. What is it that you are to do right now? What is your Kairos God response to this particular moment, to all the chaos and all the wildness you see? Two things. Number one, from Romans chapter 12, verse 1, I urge you therefore, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. Act of worship. The first, the first this that you are to be doing is to offer your body as a living sacrifice. To make sure every moment of every day you are doing everything you know how to do to surrender yourself to God and the purposes of God. And right on the heels of that, the second this is, do not conform any longer to this world. Because I'm going to tell you, my experience, when I keep looking around, I keep finding Christians responding to this Kairos moment exactly the way the world's responding to it. But the this you're supposed to be doing is not that. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We'll talk through all of this over the course of the next several weeks. But what God wants from you is really simple. He wants you to make sure you are focused on Him, not on the chaos. On Him, not on your bursitis. On Him and His kairos purposes. That you're offering yourself a sacrifice to Him. Lord, do what you want to do. And you are not being conformed to the path. You're not responding like the world does. Because you're being transformed. Your mind is being renewed by the Word of God. In prayer. Let's pray. Father, as always, I thank you for the power and the clarity of your word. Lord, your word that shows us who you are, your word that shows us how you are, your word that shows us who we are, who we were called and created to be, made in your likeness after your image, to grow up in all things into him who is said to grow up and become more and more and more like Jesus. That's who you've made us to be. Father, forgive us for being too easily distracted by the the next shiny thing someone waves in front of us. Lord, forgive us for being too easily distracted by the chaos around us and failing to see it as you see it. Lord, wake us up. Give us true vision and understanding. And help us walk as you want us to walk in this hour. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah.